2: Hey, everyone, and welcome to Real Life, Real Crime Daily for Wednesday, February 1st. I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton.
3: And I'm Mike Agavino. Welcome back. We've uh, we got a packed show today, and uh, uh, because of that, uh, we're going to get right to it. And Woody, I think you want to start us off with something.
4: So, y'all, we've been telling you about Kayvon Washington and the alleged rape of Madison Brooks. Um we were very vocal about getting people to come forward and to use me personally as a conduit to go to law enforcement. If they were afraid to go to law enforcement or they were ashamed or whatever it may be, a lot of people reached out to us and one of the alleged victims came out and she said that she was raped uh, by Kayvon Washington in May or June of 2020 when she was 12 years old. And now, y'all, Kayvon's been arrested for that by the Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office. And he's been booked for the rape of this 12-year-old, first-degree rape, which used to be called aggravated rape because of the age limit. And now he's been booked for the first-degree rape of this 12-year-old victim. Now, this came forward after... We did the podcast, and after Karen Chala did her the interview with the victim when she disguised the victim's voice and the victim's mother, uh, Walker Police Department originally said they they didn't do anything because it was conflicting statements between the two, and now they have a witness that came forward and actually saw Kayvon go into the room with this victim. Okay, so he got booked into Livingston Parish Jail, and at this time, he has no bond, all right? So, but that's not the end of it, okay? Now, anytime you put yourself in the social spotlight like we do on Real Life, Real Crime Daily, you are going to catch a little bit of blowback, if you will. And now, I submit to you that everybody in Angola has got somebody that loves them, right, has a family member that's pissed off that they're there. Um, uh, everybody I arrested in my career have family members, and certainly they're, you know, they're, they're hurting and they don't like it. Y'all. Now I'm gonna tell you what has been posted on social media by a name a guy allegedly named Kevin Washington. We have no way of proving who the post is, but I'm simply reading you what's on social media. You can go look it up yourself. Uh, this was screenshot to me and actually given to me by Karen Chawla, uh, uh, unfiltered with Karen. And Kevin Washington, this person, who's alleged to be Kevin Washington, says, why would you come after Kayvon without all the facts, just wondering? Then it continues with, one more post for the day, exclamations. You put my grandson grandson on your podcast, capital letters, calling him a serial rapist without his story. I want to know why this serial whore at the age of 12 or 13 were inviting boys to swim without an adult present. Why did they let the boys in without an adult present? You know why? Because she's sexually active and waited months to tell her mom because she assumed she was all capital pregnant. So someone told her to use the same old lame story, all capital, I was raped. So she wrote it in a notebook and told her mom to read it, exclamations. Guess what? Walker police didn't file charges because they knew it was shit. Because of the hype from your podcast and unfiltered with Karen's story, they came back and make your serial racist ass happy and arrest him with this bogus charge without interviewing him. All ex capitals, only her. You need to check her history before you go and plaster my grandson's history. All capitals. Does this make you a serial racist or just looking for ratings? Remember, he has a family also that is hurting for everyone that is involved. Kayvon Washington is not the only one involved in this exclamations. From his lovely grandmother, exclamations, invite me and his dad on your podcast. No, y'all invited her and her mom. You serial racist cowards. Now I'm reading this and we don't know if this is someone making it up, but it is on social media. It is on Facebook. I want to address some issues here. One, we are in no way serial racist. Okay. And we're reporting the fact, just like I just told you, uh, Kayvon Washington is now sitting in Livingston Parish jail for rape of a 12 year old. And, Back in the day, Walker Police Department had said that they had conflicting stories between two, say so they, between the two, the alleged victim and, and Kavion, and so they, they didn't pursue it. Now they have a witness that's come forward and says she actually saw Kavion go into the room with the alleged victim. Okay. Now, whoever wrote this, evidently you didn't go to law school. First of all, whoever wrote this, shame on you for saying this 12-year-old is, is a sexually active whore, all right? And in the state of Louisiana, you cannot consent to sex of any kind when you're 12 years old, period, all right? And this whole pregnancy thing and all this, whatever. You can say whatever you want to. It's a free country. But when you attack me personally and you call me a serial racist, I'm going to stand up and tell you that I'm not. Hey, it's America. I can say what I want to say too. All right. And looking for ratings, we're not reporting anything that all the news channels and Karen Chawla and everybody else has reported. We're reporting facts, public record. Kevon Washington is under arrest not only for Madison Brooks' case, but for now, this 12-year-old. Those are facts, people. I didn't make this up. I didn't go in and make these reports. I didn't allege or or make this up and and make this happen so this boy would go to jail. This young man would go to jail. The facts are what they are. Those are public records. Real Life for Daily didn't make it up. Nobody in this room made it up. Those were facts that are reported to law enforcement. We didn't do that. But we are going to continue to report the facts as they come out. And you better believe this case isn't over with. And I personally urge anybody that's a victim of any rape, if you're hesitant by anyone, if you're hesitant to go in and report it, you can reach out to Woody Overton. I will talk to you about it, and and hopefully, you will have the courage to stand up. Even though ninety eight percent of all rapes go unreported because people are afraid for whatever reason, or they're afraid somebody's going to come back and call a twelve year old girl a whore. And it, well, reach out to me, okay, and and. I'll talk to you about it. Sometimes you just need an ear to listen to someone to listen to you. And if you want to move forward, I will personally walk you through. I am not f- afraid of pissed off family members. I've been doing it for over 30 years. Everybody I arrested has a family member that's pissed off at me, but I will continue to bring the facts facts people. And we always said it's alleged that Kevon did this. And Everybody's innocent until proven guilty. But calling a 12-year-old a whore, whoever you were, whoever this person is, reports himself to be Kevin Washington, whatever, and shame on you, whoever you are. I'm not ever going to back down from this case. I'm not ever going to back down from helping the victim. I've been doing it for 30 years, and I'll do it to the
3: day I die. Woody? Yeah. Question. The Walker police, the first time this girl reported something, did they speak to anyone claiming to be a witness? Do we know? No,
4: they did not. And their 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 official statement and it was to Karen Karen is that they had conflicting stories, so at the time they didn't pursue them. And let me tell you this. I've never had a rape victim and a suspect that didn't have conflicting stories, sure. okay? They also had a interview scheduled with her. She had an interview scheduled with the chief, uh, David Addison, and right before the interview, they canceled it, okay? This was on, I think, Friday. Uh, um, and But they turned around later on that day and made the arrest, and they got him booked into the Livingston Parish Jail. So whatever Walker did or didn't do, man, I bet whoever – whoever didn't find this witness ahead of time, you know, was thinking about Madison Brooks every day.
3: Okay. So for, for clarity, a couple of years ago, when uh, this alleged victim went to Walker police, the police, for whatever reason, we don't know, never spoke to anyone claiming to be a witness. That's correct. They came forward. The same alleged victim came forward now. And, and, and Walker Police were able to corroborate parts of her story through this witness that has now come forward with her. Is that correct?
4: that, that is correct. And and they were at least avail. They were at least able to develop probable cause, which is fifty percent plus one, and get an arrest warrant for Caveal. Kayvon Washington, okay? So what? what, why they didn't do it back in the day, I don't know, whatever. They built the case enough now where they got an arrest warrant signed by a judge. That is a matter of public record. That is not something that Real Life Real Crime Daily made up, any of us made up. That is reported. It was reported years ago before the show even started. And now they followed up on it, and yes, hindsight's twenty twenty. they followed up on it, and he has now been charged and sits in the Livingston Parish Jail for first-degree rape, no bond.
3: So, let's just say that, suppose that the first time she had come forward, that Walker Police spoke to this witness back then, and made the decision that they've made now to make an arrest based upon that. If that arrest had resulted in a conviction.
4: We wouldn't be talking about Madison Brooks, or at least Kayvon Washington's involvement, alleged involvement with Madison Brooks.
3: Because he would have still been away had he been convicted.
4: That is correct. Even if he got juvenile life which would have been the minimum, if they didn't try him as an adult, he would have had to serve to, his 21. Okay. So, there it is. But again, people, I'm going to tell you, we're we're reporting facts, public record, stuff that has come through from other people. Uh, 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 You don't hear me talking about all the messages from uh, other alleged victims that I've gotten and received um, because and until or unless they go to law enforcement and make an official record nothing can be done about it this little 12 year old girl reported years ago now they followed up on it followed through Kevon Washington first re-rape sitting in Livingston Parish jail no buying 12 year olds can't consent to have sex people period Wow. Why don't we move on? Yeah, that's fine. I just wanted to get that off my chest. And again, for the record, we didn't create these charges. I didn't create these charges. And you want to be pissed off at me, you be pissed off at me. You want to threaten me, you threaten me, okay? Because I'm not scared of you. On the episode we released on
3: Saturday, we uh, extensively covered the Tyree Nichols case in Memphis. The videos had come out the night before. That episode didn't release until Monday, the 30th of January. In the few days that have gone by since then, we have some additional things that have happened. Number one, Memphis Police Department terminated two additional police officers. Unclear yet whether charges will be brought on those officers' officers or exactly what kind of charges will be brought against those officers. We also know that the fire department, Memphis fire department terminated two EMTs. EMTs. Again, same situation. We don't know if those people will be charged with any kind of crime yet. Uh, But, uh, but so we, we've gone from the original five officers to now, four more people implicated. So you have nine total people, five of whom are under arrest, Uh, four additionals that have been terminated.
4: For people that don't understand, um, most major cities, your EMTs are included in your fire department, like in in Livingston Parish and these local areas around here. It's serviced by the EMTs or serviced, by Acadian ambulance and stuff like that. So Memphis has its own, the fire department is, is a division, but you have your your first responders, your EMTs that were responding to these scenes also. They found numerous uh, alleged department violations and, and the lack of care that they showed for nickels on the scene, et cetera. And so there that's the update on that.
3: One of the other things we were we were told is that the special unit Scorpion that these five
4: officers were uh, part of has been disbanded. Yes. And that's not just, we weren't just told that's, that's been reported in all the national news. Yes. Not, not necessarily uh, reported in all of those
3: places. What Scorpion, the acronym it's an acronym, right, right. what it actually stands for, which I think is worth repeating here. If you've heard it before or giving it to you for the first time, Scorpion, Stood for street crimes operation to restore peace in our neighborhoods. Yeah, ironic, right? Pretty darn ironic when you think about what happened here. So we we have the the unit disbanded. We have the uh, five officers charged. We have four more that have now been uh, terminated from their positions, and we await to find out what. The uh, uh, the the fate of those people are and whether they will be they will be charged. There's one other thing that that came up that that struck me, and that is that the Memphis Police Department, like many other police departments across the country, has been challenged to retain officers, has been challenged to be able to recruit officers, and like many other police departments across the country, they put certain incentives in place, and they also adjusted standards in certain places to be able to recruit more people in. Two of the officers involved here, the two that uh, are charged here, joined the Memphis Police Department after a very significant set of changes were made to their standards. That that should make all of us just. I think it's a fine line, right? You, the Memphis Police Department was down 500 officers. We've talked about New Orleans before on this show, and we know the New Orleans Department Police Department is down 900 officers. When you're in that kind of position, uh, you absolutely need to do some things with a sense of urgency to bring new officers on board to uh, to. Uh, streamline that onboarding process as much as you can to accelerate the training as much as you can to get these people on the street, protecting people as quickly as possible. But there's
4: a balance you've got to have between. Right, That's been going on uh, even uh, back in 2013, when I retired from law enforcement, the standards were having to be adjusted because um, it was hard to get people to come to work as a police officer. But they also um, made incentives for other people to not retire so quickly, which that I submit to you that happens because of the state of the way everybody looks at cops now. But on this story, even though these two came in after the standards had been changed, we don't know that they wouldn't have passed the standards, the old standards, though, to be fair.
3: Well, we do know that they didn't have the credentials that are part of those standards so they right, didn't right, have the right. employment record or the amount of college credits true, that true. prior right. was necessary so yeah. uh, the other pieces of it uh, we don't know that will right. probably come out but we do know that they that they didn't have that and so i think we'll we'll see ongoing debate about that i think the the early sort of talking points out there about training i think those have been uh, pretty well debunked if, uh, if the word's appropriate, because let's face it, anybody, whether you've been a cop or not, the, the basic rules of what you do when you pull somebody over for right. reckless driving, uh, you would, you wouldn't even need to learn in the first half hour of your training because you know them just as a citizen right, that you, right. that what they did was, uh, was as far away from uh, what the book says the rules are as could possibly be. And so I, I don't think we're, we're going to hear about uh, training so much as, uh, as maybe a, a better balance between the, uh, the, uh, the, the loosening, if you will, of, of certain restrictions in recruiting and the acceleration of, uh, of timeline on the, the onboarding. Uh, piece some of that stuff is is going to come into play you know
4: obviously just real quick on that the loosening of restrictions and stuff like that the the sad thing is if they didn't do it to get more people in the alternative is no police absolutely right that's why it's
3: as i said it's a it's a very fine line and
4: yeah and and for Nichols and Maddie Brooks and um, this 12-year-old from Livingston Parish and everybody we talk about in these crimes, our, my heart goes out to to the victims or alleged victims and their family members. And even to a certain extent, and it always has, the 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 people that get locked up, their family members because they're losing somebody Also,
3: The last thing I'd like to... Uh, like to point out on this is when we recorded on Saturday, uh, the episode that was released on Monday, we were praying that we would see a Saturday night and a Sunday night without violence. We knew we would uh, see protesting in in many of the largest cities across the country. But as we sit here, it has been mostly peaceful. And again, I think the combination of the decisions made by the mayor and the chief of police to make these arrests and come public with the videos in the way that they did. And for the mother and stepfather to yeah, have and come if, out. And,
4: if anything comes out really positive out of that. Um, and I read this somewhere, but, and I agree with it. I think that this, the getting out in front of it, being tr- totally transparent with the public doing the right things, not hide behind the blue wall, if, if you're guilty or if you're dirty or if you're out there bad, handling that ahead of time and, and stopping the nationwide and even worldwide violence like after George Floyd, I think that's huge, and, and they, this should be the standard going forward. It should always been the standard, I would guess, is being transparent, being honest, doing the right thing. Really kicked up with it, right? I use AstroPro every time my nasal allergies flare up. And I'm always amazed at how fast I'm back in the game, down on those rows, playing my stuff. Get fast,
2: Some people may or may not be aware of some of the facts that have come out as people analyze this video. And of course, anytime you have a video come out, you're going to have a million people look at it at a million different angles, and they're going to really, really do a good job of breaking it down. One thing that you may find interesting, and one of the reasons that these uh, EMTs were fired was Tyree was on the ground for 23 minutes in handcuffs before a stretcher uh, arrived on the scene. Now, a a good rule of thumb when it comes to uh, ambulances and medical attention is the average call time, typically, not in all cases, but typically you want to keep that under 10 minutes. Uh, Seconds count, people. Minutes count. This this uh, young man died three days later. Uh, that could have been the difference uh, in whether he lived or died. Twenty three minutes. Absolutely ridiculous. in handcuffs the entire time when it was apparent that he was in a bind, to say the least. So that's something important to know. Also, Tyree was given 71 separate commands by the officers over a 13-minute period. Now, here's, here's the problem with that. Most of them were contradictory and unachievable. And what that means is, I'll give you an example of a few I noticed by looking at the video. Get down. Get down. He was already down. You can't get down any further than the street that he was laying on. As a matter of fact, he looked up at the officer several times and said, I am down, I am down. Put your hands behind your back. Well, they're screaming at him, put his hands behind his back when two other officers have his arms extended out in front of him. You can't put your hands behind your back when people have your hands. These are called contradictory and unachievable commands. Go look at the video for yourself. I encourage you to do that and see how many you can find. I found at least 20 separate occasions where they told him to do something that was literally impossible to do. I had someone reach out to me yesterday and say, uh, ask about him running. And my thought on that is if you've got five men on top of you that you're pretty convinced they're going to kill you, you're running for your life at that point. And he was able to kind of squirm out of there somehow and get up and start running and, of course, he didn't get far. He basically made it across the street. They tackled him and then proceeded to punch him in the face. Uh, I don't know how many times. It looked like seven or eight times. I mean direct in the face while other people are holding his hands. So it's total bullshit. there was a lot of brutality involved in this situation. It's ugly. It's hard to watch. Um, but I thought those were really imperative to point out, especially with regard to the separate commands that he was given that were absolutely impossible to even achieve.
3: Moving right along. Let's move to the city of Atlanta, Georgia,
4: Atlanta, An
3: Atlanta police department officer the other night made a routine stop pulling over a car that had only one headlight, operating. And so the uh, person pulled over, the officer pulled over, got out of the squad car and walked over to the front passenger window of that car. And as he began his conversation with the person in the car, he realized something bizarre was happening behind him. He could hear something. And he turned and looked and there was someone getting in his squad car That's what you call an oh shit moment. I thought there was a, I thought there was slang uh, inside baseball cop slang for that when you get your squad car stolen. So he yelled, yo, back up, get out of the car. Uh, uh, And all of that can be picked up on the, uh, uh, on the footage. And then on the police radio, he announced that someone had taken his patrol car. And so a... <laughs> that is a
4: statement you never <laughs> want to have <laughs> to, want make. to make. It. And I've I, I never had mine stolen personally, but I've been there when others were stolen. So you now have
3: uh, squad cars in pursuit as well as a... In
4: pursuit of a squad car. In
3: pursuit of a squad, squad car. And you have uh, the APD has a helicopter uh, above. The helicopter spotted the stolen vehicle and uh, and continued tracking it and uh, giving instructions to the cars that were chasing. The suspect was driving, I guess, pretty recklessly and somehow flipped the squad car and flipped it to where it, it stopped right in the middle of train tracks. So now the stolen squad car is inverted and it is laying across train tracks. Several of the... Uh, Squad cars that were in pursuit arrive at the uh, at the location and are uh, and get out with some urgency to begin to pull this gentleman out. And wow. then why was it urgent? <laughs> well, then they uh, I'm laughing and I shouldn't because this could have gone very very badly. But they uh, they look up and see that they've got a Norfolk Southern locomotive headed their way on that track. So it's on a
4: crash course for but, the overturned squad car. Let me interrupt you real quick, so people know. and I bet y'all don't know this. The the trains are not allowed to stop for police cars. The, the like, let's say the I, I know there's a bridge out up ahead. I found just found it at nighttime the trains coming. I know the trains coming. I p- pull my shit on the alongside of them a wave and holler at them and say, Hey, the bridge is out. Guess what? They don't have to stop. You can park on the track. They don't have to stop. Do you know the only way you can stop a train? Legal The the, the way they, they have to stop is by lighting a flare and putting it in the middle of the track. Really? Yep. There you go. You
3: learn something new every day. So upon seeing the oncoming locomotive, the, Uh, Officers went into an even more urgent rescue mode. They only had moments to get this guy out of the car. The guy's name was Michael Parker. He's 29 years old. Parker is now behind bars in Fulton County Jail because they got him out again moments before the squad car was struck by the oncoming locomotive. Atlanta Police Department Sergeant Chaffee was quoted as saying, We're very proud of the actions of our officers. This could have gone a number of different ways. Yes, it could. (laughs) Uh, So do you think Sergeant Chaffee was proud of the actions of all of his officers?
4: Uh, Well, shit happens. Uh, I always said it's the greatest show on earth. The squad cars get stolen. I was so thankful when we first got a remote control access are vehicles so you can lock it every time you get out of the car because otherwise you're out on the scenes. You may have to be fighting someone and another bad guy jumps in your shit and runs off with it. I'm not going to name any names, but I know it's happened several times with several friends of mine, and I guarantee the sergeant's happy of two things. Well, I'm sure there'll be a policy and procedure that comes out behind this incident. Um, that vehicle, I can assure you, was a total loss getting hit by a locomotive. Uh, So the insurance company isn't going to like that. But those guys are heroes who are going to get this asshole out of the car. They could have left him there and been like, there's your sentence and jury.
3: Well, let's play a little what if on that. I'm just curious. Let's suppose they couldn't get him out and the train ends up killing him. Is there so in this day and age, I wouldn't be shocked to see Parker's family filing a lawsuit against the Atlanta Police Department for negligence and allowing yeah. him to so easily steal their squad car and then negligence in not getting him out fast enough before he was hit by the train. <laughs> Any thoughts on
4: that? This, the, My thought on it is, um, yeah, they probably would have seen because that's the way the world works today. But if he would have got killed, they couldn't get him out they at least would have tried, and that's when the pen is mightier than the sword, and you have to really write a good report.
3: So you guys been paying attention to this Murdoch case, this case out of South Carolina, this family in low country South Carolina that for generations has uh, been the solicitor, has three generations of solicitors like district attorneys in uh, in this area.
2: Um, Around here, they the solicitors are usually looking for something else. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't
3: know that that's that far 10 away from solicitors. Are, soli- to
2: solicitors are like a, a attorney, a district attorneys, and that's a uh, eastern seaboard thing. Yeah, yeah. we just call them district attorneys Amazing. here.
3: Well, this is one of those cases that it it drags on so long. Yeah. This has been unfolding over a multiple year period and we're now we're quote unquote finally at the trial but it's really we're finally at a trial
2: yeah, because so. because
3: this guy has been into so much stuff over the last 3 i mean it's pretty unbelievable we are drawn this country everyone in this country is drawn to a story like this the fall from grace, grace of this powerful family they had all the money all the power, uh, heritage, generational wealth, um, all the influence, all of this stuff, and uh, a, a guy who portrayed himself as uh, a model citizen and a leader in the uh, in the multi county area. Uh, I mean, my God, when when his life unravels, it unravels in a i've never seen anything unraveling
2: it's an onion you can't find the core to right you just keep right. peeling it back and and there's more and more and more and it was you know you asked a question a minute ago mike which was uh, you know are we even familiar with it and i'll be honest i remember you know when the first talks were about the murdoch case um and it kind of slipped from memory, and it's been dragging on so long that it, it's just one of those things I, I didn't have a whole lot of uh, knowledge on. And when we discussed and in the in the trial came up for this case, I really got into it and went down a rabbit hole with it. And wow, man, crazy. Uh, folks, if, you, if you're if you not familiar with the Murtall case, get familiar with it. And we're going to do our best to get you familiar with it. Cause this is a heck of a story here that is unfolding right before our eyes. Yeah.
3: Well, and as I said, it's been evolving over a multi-year period to the point that there's already been at least one dateline. They may even have been two. There's already been a 2020 special people magazine already did a cover story on it. That's all back in 2021. And at the end of this month, Netflix is launching
4: a on series. On top of that, I think there's at least 10 different podcasts dedicated just to the subject, just to the Murdoch case. It's crazy. So
3: what we're going to try and do is give the Real Life Real Crime Daily audience a feel for the major pieces of this that have evolved because this trial that America is uh, is now tuned into is a trial for the murders of Alex. Sometimes people say Alec. It's weird. Alex Murdaugh's wife, Maggie, and his son, Paul. That's what he is on trial for right now. But to understand how things got to where this guy could be on trial for murder of his wife and son, you have to understand everything that went on before that led to it. And if it starts anywhere. Let, let's just say let, let's call the 85 years leading up to uh, 2018 or so, uh, 2015, let's call it. The 85 years or so, uh, prior to that, uh, this was the biggest name that you could uh, that you could say in this part of South Carolina. And then something happens in the summer of 2015.
2: Yeah. So, uh, as as Mike just told you, the, that name in that area was the name everybody knew. They could their family name contained all the power, uh, and Alex Murdaugh was actually the solicitor uh, for the 14th Circuit in South Carolina that represented five counties there. And so they, he had a lot of power. He was the district attorney for that area. Now, in 2015, as, as Mike just stated, Stephen Smith, who was 19, is found dead. He was hit by a vehicle, presumed. Uh, and there was a lot of issues with that right from the beginning. Number one, Stephen Smith was a gay man in an area that does not – uh, embrace you know gay lesbian uh, groups as a matter of fact South Carolina you may be surprised to learn is one of only two states that does not have a hate crime law uh still in this day and age so he gets hit by a vehicle and there was a lot of strange things right from the beginning of that first of all shoes were still on and I'm a, I'm a Talk to Woody real yeah. quick.
4: How rare is that when you get hit by a vehicle that your shoes are on? I've I've never seen someone, my, I'm not talking about like when one of my classmates at LSU Academy was walking across the crosswalk and got hit at five miles an hour. But I've never seen anyone get struck with a vehicle with any amount of force where they didn't lose at least one shoe. Just does not happen. The first thing you're going to lose people, no matter how tightly they're tied or your shoes or anyone ejected from a vehicle. I've never seen them uh, not lose a shoe. So that was strange right off the
2: bat. They they investigated this case and no arrest is made. Okay. Now, you may wonder what what this situation would have to do with the Murdoch family. Kid, a young kid gets hit by a car. Uh It happens other places. They don't tie it into a family name. But in this case, Alec Murdoch's son, Paul, it was alleged there was chatter that he had a relationship, a romantic relationship with Stephen Smith and that Stephen Smith might possibly go public with that in their town. And so there was a lot of chatter that this was a way to uh, avoid that coming out now. So it's important to to definitely note that no arrest was ever made in that case. It was investigated. They basically uh, said he had got hit by a vehicle and they never found the vehicle and no arrest was made. That's
3: crazy. Well, and Jim, you've already told us that we're not exactly talking about the most socially liberal area of the of the country. And so we have a powerful family and we have... The death of a young man, who's connected or loosely connected to uh, to the son. So that's a Alleged, mm, allegedly, yeah.
4: allegedly, allegedly. Well,
3: let's let's keep going. So put that put a little mark down. That's 2015. We're going to go and accelerate uh, two basically decent years between 2016 and 2017 for the for the Murtaus. So we fast forward to February 2nd of 2018 when Gloria Satterfield, age 57, who was the housekeeper nanny for the Murdaugh family for more than two decades, aided allegedly by, uh, by dogs that, uh, that got in her way, fell down a flight of stairs in the Murdaugh family home on Moselle Road and she got badly injured. In fact, she got so injured that three weeks later, on February 26th, she passed away from her injuries. According to court documents, Alex Murdaugh told Satterfield's sons that, quote, he was responsible and plans to sue himself so that they are financially taken care of. The family claimed that they never received, this is the Satterfield family right. at the time, claim they never received any money.
2: And it's important to mention that this was not um, the tomfoolery that we'll really get into. As a matter of fact, uh, the the children of Miss Satterfield actually spoke to her and she said, she fell down the stairs after tripping over four dogs. So this wasn't a situation where Owie pushed her down the stairs or something like that. So I don't want you to get focused on that. The, the fact of the matter is what she what we just told you happened happened. Uh, it's the after effects of that in which uh, Murdo actually hatches a plan to sue himself. For negligence, maybe he left the dogs in her way or whatever, and she falls down the stairs. And he tells, you know, the kids. Obviously, he's going to enrich himself on this plan. But he says he may, you know, said we've got a ten million dollar suit, and I'm going to keep three million and give you seven million, and I'm going to see myself. This is real stuff.
4: Right. And I think that it comes out later on about not giving all the money and stuff like that. None of
2: the money, as a
4: matter of right. fact.
3: That is all true, and the part about the trained dogs that tripped her at command is not true. And I'm glad you didn't include that in that piece, Jim. One of the passengers on the boat, who was the girlfriend of uh, one of Paul Murtaugh's close friends, by the name of Mallory Beach, who was 19 years old, was uh, thrown off of the boat when it made uh, when it crashed into the to the bridge. And in the aftermath, she was unaccounted for. And, uh, and they spent the night and a number of days. In fact, it wasn't until March 3rd of 2019 when her body was actually discovered in a marsh area uh, close to where they had hit that bridge. And so we have in the, in the course of a four-year period, we have Stephen Smith's uh, death. We have Gloria Satterfield's death we have mallory beach's death in the case of mallory beach paul murtaugh is uh,
4: the driver of the boat there's a lot more that goes on that night like the murdoch family members showing up and the influence that they did on law enforcement and everything else and the actions of the driver of the boat and so i, I assume we'll get into this in future episodes the
3: the Dateline that came out in 2021, and obviously this is this is Dateline. But in the in the Dateline, uh, they allege that Alex Murdaugh arrived on scene pretty immediately yep. and began trying to get other uh, young men who were on the boat to. Claim that they were the driver, so he right off the bat is worrying about himself and his family, Absolutely. and going to uh, two other families that you know the, weren't uh, uh, weren't at his social level right. to basically say, "I'll take care of you right. if you step up and right. say it was your yeah. son that I mean, was driving the boat." That's
4: hugely important towards the story, and also the in the days and the aftermath of. Um, they never even contacted the the son's alleged best friend whose girlfriend it was who was ejected from the, from the boat and all that and there's just total shit show of circumstances and there's a whole lot more than what, what you're being told today people
2: hey y'all my wife's biggest struggle this past year was fighting the symptoms associated with menopause Hot flashes, mild mood swings, and sleeplessness. She had them all until she tried Hormone Harmony. RLRC at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code RLRC for 15% off today. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigel, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seen more health issues with the dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. didn't know that could impact your dog's health. This 20-minute video is packed full of tips that I've already started with my dog, Phoebe. I'm noticing more energy, healthier skin and coat. If you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to BadlandsFood.com R-L-R-C and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S Food dot com slash r l r c.
3: A month later, understandably, the family of Mallory Beach files a wrongful death lawsuit against Alex Murdaugh, uh, against the, uh, the Parker Company that owned the convenience store that served them the uh, the liquor that night. At uh, they also uh, uh, charge. Uh, Buster Murdaugh, as well, who is the other brother that uh, that was uh, that was there that night. A month later, Paul, who is 20 years old at the time, is indicted on charges of boating under the influence, causing death, and two counts of boating under the influence, causing great bodily injury.
2: Now that's a big deal, y'all, because. Remember this family, the Murdahls, they are uh, extremely powerful. Well, Alex Murdall's son, he is the district attorney. His son gets indicted for, you know, all of those charges that Mike just read. Uh, that is no easy task. I mean, there was a, a lot that had to go into that because of who these people were.
4: A month yeah, later, absolutely. yep. Uh, the, and look, the good old boy network, and that's what it's unofficially called. I grew up in it. Card carrying member, it, seen it, seen it, seen it. Just good lucky sperm club. No, yeah, right. But <laughs> I've seen it. But the things that you could get away with thirty years ago, fifty years ago, uh, however long ago, you can't get away with them. Today. Two days ago, yeah, <laughs> just kidding. Should, can't get away with them today, and. You know, again, there's so much information on this case. We're gonna have to feed it to you in pieces. Born on third base and thought he hit a triple. Right.
2: <laughs> yeah. I hadn't heard that one. Three, I that three
3: weeks idea. later, killed him good. Three weeks. Three weeks good later, Paul Murdoch pleads not guilty to all of these charges.
2: What you're gonna do? Uh, you're always
4: gonna plead not guilty. I mean, tell him, yeah. buddy, is no, a free. I mean, you're not free... gonna plead guilty. Then. I did it. Yeah, yeah, you're not. I did it. Uh, don't let my high dollar defense attorney uh, make his money? And maybe it gets thrown out. Maybe we buy off a witness, or maybe some probable cause after David gets thrown out, or whatever. So yeah, it's, no attorney's gonna plead their client guilty without an incentive. Right. Now it gets good. So now for
3: an extended period, like two years, there is a bunch of stuff going on. Uh, uh, There's a a mediation uh, that is attempted in the, it's a court ordered mediation in the wrongful death uh, lawsuits. And that mediation fails. They, they cannot agree. And because they cannot agree, the case then is bound for trial. So June 4th, of 2021 is when that mediation is scrapped and the parties become aware that they're going to go to trial. Three days later, June 7th, 2021, Alex Murdaugh discovers the bodies of his son, Paul, allegedly discovers the bodies of his son, Paul and wife, Maggie, Maggie, at, their, at the 1,700-acre uh, hunting lodge on Moselle Road, the same location where uh, Mrs.
4: Satterfield had fallen down the steps. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not allegedly. He he did. He definitely discovered. He discovered, discover him. But, was he, was he discovered <laughs> after he killed him or before. Right. Uh.
3: Let's fast forward to February twenty fourth, 2019, when an inebriated Paul Murdaugh decided after he had taken a group of uh, friends with him, to a party and stopped off at a bar after the party, uh, decided that he was still in good enough shape to get behind the wheel of
4: the family boat that even he had after, transported everybody. Even though several of them told him he couldn't in and, and the family boat, for the record, of a bay boat. Yeah. And uh, not Frozen. long— Bay boat, center console, bay i I remember if I have a photographic memory. Uh, you're right I, I, that that would be correct. Not long after
3: they leave the bar where they have stopped, Paul at the wheel crashes the boat into a bridge into a pylon of a bridge near Paris Island. Okay. So uh, so uh,
2: Alex makes the nine one one call. So we're going to play the 911 call for you.
5: emergency? Hey, this is Alex Murdoch at 4147 Moselle Road. I need the police to answer immediately. My wife and Tom, they've got badly. Okay, you said 4147 Moselle Road in Allison? Sir? You said 4147 Moselle Road in Allison? Yes, sir, 4147 Moselle Road. Stay on the uh, line with please, me, okay? Yes, sir, stay on the line with me, okay? Okay. county uh, communications. <laughs> I have a Alex Murdoch on the line, calling from 4147 Moselle Road. He's advising that his wife and child was shot. Okay, okay. and sir, so give me the address again. 4147 Moselle Road. I've been up to it now. It's bad. Okay. Huh. Okay, and are they breathing? No, ma'am. Okay, and you said it's your wife and your son? My wife and my son. Are they in a vehicle? No, ma'am. They're on the ground, out at my kennel. Uh. Okay, and did you see anyone? Okay, is he breathing at all? No. No. Is she... Okay, do you see anything? Do you see anyone in the area? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. What color is your house on the outside? What color is your house on the outside? Uh, It's white. You can't see it from the road. Okay, is it a house or a mobile home? It's a house. Okay, and what is your name? My name is Alex Murdoch. Okay, did you hear anything, or did you come home and find them? I've been gone. I, I just came back. Okay, and was
2: anyone else supposed to be at your house? No, ma'am. Now, you just heard that 911 call, and let me tell y'all something that not a lot of people realize about 911. When you call 911 and you hear the ringing, it's actually recording at that point. People don't realize that. They think it's not recorded until someone picks up the phone. That's why you always hear the rings when someone calls 911. Well, you know what was missing from that whole 911 call? You heard how he was all uh, panicked and fired up. The second that operator picked up, he was screaming, oh, my gosh, my my son, my, my, my wife, all those sorts of things. There was no panic when it was ringing. It was only when they picked up. There was no screaming, nothing. He was completely calm before someone answered that phone, and then he went into that panic. I found that very interesting. Yes,
4: most people don't know that,
2: but on Real Life or a Crime Daily, we do. That's right. <laughs>
4: My goodness,
2: this guy, <laughs> uh,
3: June eighth, the of uh, June eighth, twenty twenty one. The authorities confirmed the identities of the. Uh, deceased bodies, referring to the incident as a double homicide.
2: However, there's no threat to the public, Mike. They announced that there's no threat to to the
3: public, which is very interesting. Strange. if there's a double murder and you have no idea who committed the double murder, why wouldn't there be a threat to the public?
2: Yeah, so it's not necessarily strange if they came out and said there's You know, any case when you know who did it, you come out and you say, hey, you remember the Idaho murders? The the police Mm -hmm. came out and they said, we've got the guy, the panic, no need to panic anymore. We've got the guy. In this case, they came out with a double homicide. uh, But yet nobody had been arrested. But yet there's no threat to the public. I found that quite interesting.
3: Just a few days later. The Murdoch family, very, very concerned about the double homicide and wanting to bring whoever committed this crime to justice as quickly as possible. Uh, Alex's brothers, Randy and John, appeared on an exclusive interview with ABC News where they pled with the public to come forward with any information that they had. And they also said they don't know whether the family has enemies, but that Paul— Remember, Paul had been driving, had driven the boat the night that the beach girl had uh, had died. And so they uh, they say they don't know whether the family has enemies, but that Paul Murdaw had received threats.
4: Yeah, kind of convenient. Kind of convenient, yes. Right? Definitely kind of convenient.
2: Well, then they come out right after that... Um, And they issue or they release some very, very heavily redacted documents uh, showing what deputies discovered the night of those murders. Uh, Shortly after that, uh, SLED, which is the... South
3: Carolina Law Enforcement Division.
2: SLED... Basically, which in South Carolina, that's what they're known as. uh, It's like
4: like the state police.
2: So they came out on uh, the 23rd of June 2021, and based off of the information uh, of the Murdoch investigation, they say they're looking into the Stephen Smith case that we discussed just a minute ago from way back in 2015. No such thing as a coincidence. Right. So
3: somewhere in their uh, in their search through the home or wherever else and looking for evidence they found something that connected them at least a, uh, led to a possible connection
4: to the 2015 death of Steven Smith That
2: was exactly what I was thinking and and uh, almost could, no doubt about could be it be
4: electronic communications text sexting whatever
2: piece of clothing
4: any, any, anything to
2: time? So back, we're back we're in speculating back there. In my day
4: it would have been Polaroid.
2: Could have been that. <laughs> so the on June twenty fifth, twenty twenty one, the Murdoch family they announced a hundred thousand dollar reward for information leading to the arrest in the double homicide. Uh, and pretty all, safe award. Pretty safe award. Pretty safe award. If you
4: know, you never got to pay
2: it. And look, it's if y'all are paying attention here, it's mounting up. On the Murdahl family. there th- These are five separate incidents, y'all. So July 22nd, 2021, SLED releases the 911 call that we just played for you. The night Paul and Maggie were killed. That obviously creates a bunch of buzz. And People Magazine, just a little over a month later, does a cover story featuring the double homicide of Paul and Maggie Murdahl. Unfortunately there was some other story at that time regarding j-lo marrying ben affleck so no one reads that story they want to know about j-lo and ben affleck and it kind of gets i remember that J. Lo, ben affleck there one.
4: you that's go mesmerizing I just, I just remember jennifer lopez yeah, that's right <laughs> <laughs> and so she's older than me man have you seen her abs they're stupid <laughs> not to mention what she's working out oh, 10 see, hours uh, a day her, her, that's her, her,
3: that's an hour and a half more than you work out
4: yeah <laughs> i have a nickname for her. it's
2: jenny from the block Wait, this next one though this is this is this is uh, this is
3: ding 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 right here right. so after all that it's actually the same day that the people magazine comes out and is on the stands the south carolina attorney general's office Drops all charges against Paul Murdoch in the death of Mallory Beach due to his own death. So, would he convenient? Yeah. So, if there's a wrong, wrongful death suit against this wealthy family That's and someone Can, is looking it. at He's
4: potentially
3: getting a bunch of money, he'd be And dead. the he he'd be he'd
4: you know that lawyer seven they call it said he'd be dead.
3: He'd be dead. Okay. So yeah.
4: The, the, be dead. Can't some um, can't prove it.
3: That one deserves an extra uh red check mark if you're writing down the 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 timeline of, of events.
2: So we're gonna leave it right there for today, but we're gonna be back in two days and we're gonna give you kind of the rest of this story and bring you all the way up to current events with the Murdahl case. I'm telling you,
4: don't go anywhere in <laughs> it. Yeah really crazy you've heard it everywhere else but you haven't heard it real life real crime daily style no you have not
3: folks we always especially when we have an intense segment like the the last one we always like to end on a little bit of a lighter note and uh and so jim's got a new segment for us Well, have we done one of these before no i don't think we have this is not hot bad guys
2: Who's our hot, bad guy? You're talking about me. It's Jim J- oh, I oh, I thought was, it was me. You're a good
3: guy.
4: you have <laughs> a competition again.
2: That's when the hot, good guys come on, Woody Everton. Yeah. Uh, um, hot, bad guys. A new little segment we're going to do every now and then on Real Life or Grime Daily. And we're going to tell you a little bit about Jeremy Meeks. And you may remember Jeremy Meeks, ladies. He's a former member of the Crips Street Gang. He was arrested in 2014 after a gang sweep called Operation Ceasefire in Stockton, California. And for those unfamiliar with Stockton, California, Diaz Brothers, UFC, from Stockton, you know what I'm talking about if you're a UFC fan, Nate and Nick. Anyway, so after the police posted Mr. Meek's photo mugshot on Facebook within 24 hours, y'all, Get this. He had more than 15,000 likes and 3,700 comments, just about all of them being from the females. And that was
3: a long time ago, right? That was a lot of
2: Yeah, back then that was like viral. Most of the women were commenting, ooh, look at that guy and he's so fine and all this sort of stuff. So the next day on June 19th, BuzzFeed, which which is a – Basically, a news and entertainment blog recognized his mugshot as a meme. And back then, BuzzFeed was the meme site, right? So, he's getting popular already. Now, on Friday, June 20th, Twitter fans created the hashtag... Felon Crush Friday, in honor of Felon Meek's Mugshot. Yes. Rice. And I know there's some women out there listening right now, and you're like, oh, oh you're yeah, g- I remember good. me some Meeks. Or they're, Jeremy they're Meeks. Googling them right now. They're gu- uh, guaranteed they're Googling. Now, trending or not. Meek Steamy. Meeks. <laughs> Trending or not, on February 5th, 2015, Meeks was convicted by a federal judge on account of being a felon in possession of a firearm. Project exile. So he gets incarcerated. He serves 13 months on the sentence, and he gets released in 2016. But it only gets better from there for Mr. Meeks. Now, while incarcerated... He signed an agreement with White Cross Management, and his first modeling headshot was published in June of 2016. On February 13th, 2017, he made his runway debut. He did a bunch of modeling. He even appeared on Tommy Hilfiger's uh, spring 2018 fashion show in Milan on February 25th. But get this, y'all. Get this. September 2019. Fashion Concept GmbH, which is a fashion company in Frankfurt, Frankfurt, Germany, announced a $15 million partnership with Meeks to build a fashion line. All this, all this from a mugshot, his gang mugshot
4: way back in 2015. Well, you know, one thing he's missing out on all of that. Playgirl. <laughs> so he missed out on a <laughs> no $15 million. Kind of is else. there such a thing anymore? I doubt it. <laughs> that I doubt it.
3: So Meek Dreamy gets $15 $15, million?
4: Million, 15 And you may million. wonder,
2: where's he at today? Where's well, he at today, Jay?
4: he's still with
2: them. He's still with White Cross management. They continue to manage him. And there is no telling how much money. Mr. Meeks is worse and not only is he too sexy for his shirt he is rich and too
4: sexy for his shirt. Right, and I these guarantee days. he's not hanging back out on the block in, in Stockton
2: right? Guaranteed
4: Guaranteed All right. Well, So there you go. Good
2: way to end things. That's it. Alright we'll see you back on Friday and I'm Jim Chapman. I'm Woody Overton and I'm Mike Agavino Real Life Real Crime Daily Peace Sha <clears throat>